I'm Chelsea. And I'm Deetra. And we're giving you a million murders. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. So I'm just going to jump in. Okay. Since we're kind of on a little time crunch. Yeah. So this one that I'm doing today, I titled The Murder of Greg Williams. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to start out by talking about Michelle. Michelle Marie Williams. Okay. A very interesting person, to say the least. She started out on a path that was kind of bound for trouble. Okay. She and her little sister, Laura, were born and raised in Hearst, Texas, where they stayed for quite some time. And according to those who knew their family, their father was not the best person. He's often described as a con artist, a shady character, and Michelle kind of picked up everything that she knew from her dad. So Michelle went to L.D. Bell High School, but dropped out at age 17 after she became pregnant for the first time. And even though the baby's father was a man named John Paul Ray, Michelle told another boy, Kenneth O'Brien, that he was the baby's father. Okay. So Kenneth married her. Michelle and Kenneth began raising their child the best they could, given their circumstances. Kenneth ended up joining the military to earn money for their family. They moved around quite a bit to accommodate his work, but this was a short-lived relationship. Their marriage quickly fell apart after Michelle reconnected with a guy from middle school named Brandon Dixon. All those years later, they reconnected in their 20s and really hit the ground running in their relationship. But just like her previous one with Kenneth, this one also filled with problems. At first, Brandon was kind of blinded by love and really couldn't see the manipulation that was happening right in front of him. There was a lot of there was a lot of distractions and they ended up having two children together. But as time went on, he began to see Michelle's true character. Michelle was kind of a professional liar in a way. Mm. She was very good at lying. Very very good. And lied to get pretty much everything in her life, and it turns out that right before those two were supposed to get married, he found out that she actually was still married to Kenneth legally. Uh Uh-oh. So that was a problem. Yeah. And, of course, a good liar knows how to weasel out of the lies when they're caught. So she tried to make up a whole story to Brandon that Kenneth was abusive to her, and because of that, she said that she was too afraid to send him divorce papers and too embarrassed to tell anyone the truth. And, of course, Brandon loved Michelle, so he, you know, tried to take her word for it and believe her. Mm-hmm. But he was suspicious about the whole thing. And the time Michelle was employed, and at the time, Michelle was employed as a dental assistant, but Brandon was very suspicious about how much she was actually working there. Uh-huh. He was often questioning a lot where she was spending a lot of her time. But eventually, she lets her family know she has quit her dental assistant position because she's gotten a new job working nights as a telemarketer. But in reality, she was fired from her dental assistant job because she was caught stealing from them. Oh, Lord. And of course, now that she's working nights, Brandon's even more suspicious about what she's really doing when she's at work. So one day, 
he decides to ask her for the number for the telemarketing company, just in case, you know, he or the kids need her in an emergency situation. Right. And she gave him a phone number. Lord. Now, you're probably guessing, you know, it's got to be a fake phone number because she probably didn't want him calling this telemarketing company and figuring out when she was working and when she wasn't. Right. Well, it wasn't a fake number. It was a real number, but not to the telemarketing company. It was to a topless bar, which was actually where she was working at the time. So Brandon ends up going to the bar, confronts her about lying to him about where she was working and and it didn't go so well. She was not happy, and he tells her she can either leave the bar and go with him or stay and give up her family. So because he was threatening to take her kids away, she left the bar and went home with her husband. So she lied about working in the topless bar, mm-hmm. but gave him the number to the topless she li- bar. She lied about quitting her job and getting a new job when she was actually fired for stealing. Right. And she lied about what her new job was. It was actually a topless bar and not a telemarketing company gotcha Mm -hmm. okay and then she gave him but she gave the number to the business i guess thinking oh he'll never call yeah and then Mm -hmm. it was like yeah and then he found out so okay over time brandon started to suspect that michelle was cheating on him so he decides to try to catch her during the act he sets up a tape recorder inside their house and he's hoping to pick something up but not only was she cheating on him she did so with two different men in their family home oh no brandon found out about this and was not happy clearly so he decides to tell michelle that he wants a divorce and when she hears this she is also not happy and to get revenge michelle goes to some very very extreme measures So, I'm just going to throw a trigger warning out here because it's terrible what she did. But first, what she done, she decides to pour out and kill thousands of dollars worth of saltwater fish Hmm. that Brandon collects. He has an aquarium. It's like a big hobby of his. Now, this is where the trigger warning really kicks in. Like, I teared up whenever I seen this. But you'll you'll see why. Mm -hmm. So, not only that, she also poisons his Dalmatian. No. Brandon had a Dalmatian who he loved who he loved and was named Domino. Oh. She knew that it would really hurt him if he knew that this dog died, so she poisons him, brings him to the vet, convinces them that the dog needs to be put down, and they do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like that's to me it's not just that, but like that's truly evil. Like Yeah. To kill an innocent animal just because you're mad because your husband wants a divorce because you're cheating on him? Yeah. No. Mm -mm. No, that's awful. So, you know, I just think it's absolutely insane that people mess with other people's pets, like, for revenge. Yeah, like, leave them alone. Like, the fish are bad, too. The poor fish. Yeah, the poor fish. I don't know. I just hate people that do that. The fish and the Dalmatian. That's horrible. Mm Mm-hmm. So that whole story about that kind of tells us a lot about Michelle's character. Yeah, yeah. So as you can imagine, after that whole fiasco, the two of them were definitely done. So Brandon files for divorce and Michelle kind of happily moves on that, you know, at that point as well. Happily. Mm-hmm. So after this marriage fails, remember I told y'all that the first guy she was with, the first guy she was with was Kenneth. Right. And he wasn't actually the father of her son that she got pregnant with at 17 right it was actually someone else named john right 
Well, she decides to reconnect with John, the real father of her child. Things were going pretty well with John until they were not going well. John starts to figure out that Michelle is probably cheating on him as well, so he goes through her purse to find signs of infidelity, and when he looks through her purse, he finds a receipt for a dog collar, whipped cream, and cherries, and a note that says, buy a birthday card for Greg. I said, Stop it. Now, y'all are probably wondering who Greg is. Mm-hmm. Who Greg? Well, so is John. Um, I'll tell you about Greg, though, here in a second. Okay. But she and John were reported to be in a common law marriage at this point for about eight years before they finally split. Mm-hmm. So she spent a decent chunk of time with him, but now it was over and she was on to Greg. But, of course, she has to ruin John's life a little bit before she goes, you know. Ugh. Yeah. So it's not as it's not as bad as what the first one, but so one day he returned to their place to collect the rest of his belongings after they split. Mm-hmm. And he found out that Michelle was having a garage sale to get rid of all his stuff. Mm-hmm. So Greg Williams had also been married two times and had a child before meeting Michelle. The two met in 2007 in an online community thing, and they had an interesting first date. Michelle, Greg, and Greg's brother all ended up going to a swingers club. Oh, okay. Uh, and things were very spicy there. Uh, very, yeah. And, you know, very quickly. <laughs> I'd say so. And the night ended with Michelle performing sexual acts on Greg in front of everyone there, including his brother, which, oh, my word, I would not mm-hmm. in front of a... Mm-mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, so... Uh-huh. <laughs> now, this is obvious... No now, judgment. No judgment. Yeah, no judgment. Me. But, you know. I think I've got that in there, too. Like, no, no judgment. (laughs) So now this obviously isn't uncommon in the swinger community, and I'm definitely not trying to shame anyone's sexual preference here. Right. But for the most part, those who, you know, partake in sex parties are informed, willing, consenting, you know, mature adults, and it's absolutely their right to do that if they want to. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to mention this because I think it's important when you look at Michelle's, you know, overall personality. Okay. Right. Okay. So, Michelle was definitely a very sexual woman. Yes. So, often used that, she often used that to get things she wanted. So, Greg's ex-wife is named Kathy, and the two of them got along, you know, pretty well despite getting the divorce. You know, they knew that they had to put all their differences aside to co-parent their child, who's named Taylor, which is good. Everybody should be like that. Yeah. And they did a pretty good job at it, and Michelle seemed to be the one thing that really came between them. And when Greg and Michelle got married, it was no secret that Kathy was not happy about it. Greg's Mm -hmm. ex-wife, the mother of his child. So she knew that Michelle was trouble, but ultimately, you know, there was nothing that she could do about it. But what particularly angered Kathy is that Michelle was trying to drive a wedge between Greg and their daughter, Taylor. Oh, Michelle hated how much time Greg was spending with his daughter, his own daughter. Ugh, okay. Which would honestly be an unattractive thing to most people. You know, like if I was with somebody oh. and they were jealous of my relationship with okay. my child, I'd be like, uh, mm But no. So eventually, Michelle tries to do something about it. So she makes up a story. I'm just telling lies. That this 12-year-old girl, Taylor, his daughter, who's 12, just right. 12, <laughs> 12 years old, 12. 12, has a drug problem. Oh. Kathy and Greg, of course, both doubted that this was true, but one day, Michelle ends up in the hospital due to opiate ingestion, and she claims that 12-year-old little Taylor drugged her coffee. Uh, 
So Michelle spent two days at Baylor Hospital and Taylor was sent to a drug rehab facility, even though there was not evidence that she took drugs or even drugged Michelle. Yeah. What on earth? I would have been... This case... I would have been burning up. Been like, well, no, because I don't... I've never partaken in substances, you know. And who knows? Like, nowadays, like, kids that young, they know a whole lot more than, you know, we did at that age. yeah, for sure. But there's still kids out there that, you know, now that that's a... That is that age that doesn't even know what drugs is. Yeah. So, who knows? Like, she could have just been one of them girls that, like, what's an opiate? Like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm sure at 12 years old, she's not like, I did not give her an opiate. I'm sure she's like, what is an opiate? What is an opiate? What, like, you know, and they may know. I don't know. Kids are different now. But there are children, you know, who obviously do get on substances that early. But in this case, it's probably not what's happening here. And now y'all done got her in this facility. Uh I would have been steaming. So Michelle did all of that just to try to get more attention from Greg, which he already was giving her, you know, plenty of attention, just not what she wanted. Right. Yeah. But she was jealous of this 12 year old of his 12 year old daughter, which is very so unattractive. So this also tells you a lot about Michelle. So eventually Greg and Michelle decide to have a baby together. Oh, why? Okay. Well, they have a baby girl named Michaela, and she became the center of their worlds. Now, they lived in a very affluent area on Jacob Avenue in Keller, Texas. Okay. Which is the kind of place where kids could grow up safely, and crime was a distant idea. It was one of those neighborhoods, Dateline, always says, you know, was somewhere that, you know, crime never happened, so it was shocking to see, you know, what would unfold next. Right. So, are you ready? I'm ready. And they were just really living the dream, okay? Mm-hmm. They were doing very well financially. Michelle seemed to live as if she really had no budget. Neither of them could really afford how much she was spending, but she was constantly going out and buying herself expensive things, buying her daughter expensive things, like designer items, mm. really pricey stuff. The two of them had matching Mercedes Benz. Even though they were leasing them, they didn't own them. So their mansion became kind of the hot spot of the family. Mm -hmm. They would have many parties there. And the two of them were just super fun, loving people, you know, that a lot, that had a lot of money. So, of course, Michelle, her other kids would often visit. But her two sons, honestly, they just weren't that fond of her. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were really not fond of Greg either. Huh, Okay. They thought he was kind of a bully and that he was arrogant. And I'm not sure if those things are true, but they just weren't fans of Greg. Right. But their relationship with her was not the normal mother-son relationship. So she had, for the most part, moved on with her life and was constantly starting with someone new who would offer her more, you know. Mm -hmm. And she seemed to kind of forget her past lives in the process. But... Which kind of sounds really sad considering she's got kids from her past life. But yeah, um, now Michelle was very happy in life. She was living a a lavish life Mm -hmm. thanks to Greg because he was pretty successful. He had started his own IT business called. I don't know why I'm being extra. (laughs) Yeah, I do. It's me. Um, He started his own IT business called DFW 
IT Pro, where he was making kind of enough money to support their lifestyle, but neither of them could truly afford the amount that she was putting on credit cards, you know, spending every week. Right. Well, you're going to understand why. Because Michelle was conveniently Greg's bookkeeper. Oh. hmm Okay. So she had control of how much money he thought they had. Okay. Lord, oh, okay. Lord. Okay. He thought. So he's probably out here thinking he's a millionaire. He got all this, you know. And it turns out she was actually manipulating numbers to make it look like they were much richer than they really were. So at one point, Greg decides to buy her a little frozen yogurt shop as a project to keep her busy. It's oh. not really understood. It's not really understood why she wanted this yogurt shop real bad. I mean, she didn't really spend a lot of time actually running it. So, <laughs> so what do you want it for? But okay, it really just seemed like it was something to kind of keep her busy. I guess. Uh huh. So the two of them also owned a weight training gym, and they were both really passionate about fitness. And Michelle's passion for fitness was way beyond casual workouts. During one of the parties that they threw at their mansion, Michelle met a bodybuilder named Gene Wallace. Okay. Gene was a friend of one of her sons and was a lot younger than she was. Okay. But this did not stop her from wanting to be with this young, good-looking fitness expert. Okay. But from the outside, it didn't appear like things between Greg and Michelle were rocky. So, if she was having this affair like many suspected, Greg seemed to be none the wiser. They had a lot that they were looking forward to together. On October 12th of 2011, the two of them were about to close on this new house that they were building. Greg was extremely eager for, you know, this move. He had already began to plan, you know, what renovations that they wanted to do in the new home. He was really looking forward to building an aquarium. Like he likes aquarium. Like he wants an aquarium. That's how the other guy was. Yeah, I was like, oh. So hopefully this time Michelle wouldn't kill a fish, um, right? And also a pool for their daughter to play in. So <laughs> this was going to be their dream home, and on paper the two of them had the dream life. Mm-hmm. But the dream turned into a nightmare very quickly. Because on October 13th, 2011, at 4.40 a.m., the Keller Police Department received a frantic phone call from Michelle Williams, who said that her husband had just been killed. So, according to Michelle, the two of them had been up late that night talking about how they wanted their new house to look, what kind of renovations they wanted to do. She first told the officers that she ended up falling asleep on the couch that night with her daughter, And then she was awoken by a loud sound coming from their bedroom. So she runs to the bedroom to see what happens. And when she gets there, she said she was immediately struck in the head with a metal wrench. She was knocked to the ground, but managed to see a man dressed in all black as he grabbed Greg's gun and shot him in the temple. So a team of officers were dispatched to the scene. And when they got to the house, they found Michelle crying on her front porch. And because she had told them that an intruder had been in their home, they, of course, began by doing a thorough sweep of the property and the backyard where she told them the killer had escaped to. Within an hour, their whole house was filled with police, detectives, and forensic analysts. (laughs) Inside the home, they found her daughter still sleeping on the couch and Greg lying motionless in their bed. 
So Michelle and Greg's bedroom had a door that led to their backyard. And right outside the door, police found a forty-five caliber gun, a shell casing, and the wrench that she was hit with. But what they didn't find was any sign of forced entry, you know, any evidence uh, mm-hmm. that anything had been stolen. However, the back door had clearly been scratched at, but the bolt and lock were, like, in perfect condition. Almost as if someone tried to make it look like there was a break-in. Mm-hmm. So it's already looking like the story Michelle had told the police is not matching with the crime scene. But then the detectives find an empty bottle of Clorox wipes and they realize that whatever they had been told that night was probably not the truth. Mm-hmm. So after this, Michelle's brought in for questioning at the Keller Police Department. And it's, it's you know, early morning at this point. Mm-hmm. And at the time, she was not considered a suspect and she was allowed to leave at any point. During questioning, which went on for five hours. Mm. So, everything that she initially told police does not align with, you know, what they found at the, at her house. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they immediately determined that, you know, there were no fingerprints on the gun, the wrench, or the door where Michelle said the intruder came from. Came in from. Mm-hmm. So, there were no fingerprints anywhere. No fingerprints. Not Greg's, not hers. Not her daughter. Their daughter. They they live there. Of course, there's gonna be fingerprints. Right. But there was no fingerprints. Mm-hmm. So it was very obvious, you know, that those Clorox wipes were used to clean everything. Yeah. So um, they also started looking at neighbors' security cameras, and there's no footage of any new vehicles in the area. And the only new person that drove through was a pizza delivery person, poor guy, <laughs> who was quickly cleared. But I'd be like, man, all I was doing was delivering a piece pizza. of pizza, and now I'm trying to be questioned for murder. Got the Pizza Planet guy getting but yeah, he brought was, in for questioning, bless him. Mm-hmm, but yeah, he was cleared. So, um, but for the first few hours of questioning, Michelle struck, struck. Michelle stuck to her story that an intruder came into their home, but the detective questioning her didn't believe a word that she was saying. Mm-hmm. The detectives started asking her questions like, how would an intruder... You know, had even gotten into their house. Uh, if they clearly didn't break down the door or go through a window, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. There was just no evidence of any of that happening. Yeah. So she said that she hides a key outside in the grill right by the back door in the bottom drawer. And as the hours went by chatting with Michelle, the detectives seemed to, or the detectives seemed to have enough. And he said that he couldn't accept anything that Michelle was saying. And He says that he has a theory about what actually happened that night, and he presents it to Michelle, which probably shouldn't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. But he tells Michelle about how one time he worked a case where the husband had committed suicide and the wife had cleaned up the evidence to make it look like he was killed so that she could collect on his life insurance policy. Wow. Then he asked Michelle if that is what happened in this situation. And at first, she denies it. She sticks to her story that there was an intruder. So what do you think happens next? And she's like, well, he does have a big insurance policy. And I just wanted to save him from the shame of doing this to himself. Lying. Well. Doing good and well, she done killed him. Eventually, she changes her story and tells the officer that he was right. 
Mm-hmm. So Michelle's new story was that she and Greg stayed up talking about the new house, and around 1 a.m., she decided it was time for bed, although Greg stayed awake. She said she saw him take at least three Tylenol PM pills before she went to sleep, and two hours later, she woken up by her daughter, and after she woke up, Michelle... After she woke up, Michelle says she took her daughter to the living room where they eventually fell asleep together on the couch. And she says that Greg is still awake around 3 a.m. when this happens. Then she tells the officer that she asked Greg if he, you know, needed anything while she was awake. But according to her, all he wanted was to be left alone because he didn't feel good. Okay. So then she goes back to where her daughter is sleeping on the couch, falls asleep. And then she's woken by a sec, uh, sound in her bedroom, and she said she immediately thought it was the sound of a gunshot. Mm-hmm. She went into the room, and she sees that Greg had shot himself in the head, and she immediately panics. She then claims that she doesn't want her daughter to see that her father had killed himself, so she needs to convince everyone that he was murdered for the sake of her daughter. Uh-huh. So she decides to stage the crime scene in an order to make it look like an intruder came in and killed Greg. So Michelle says the first thing she did the first thing she did was wipe Greg's hands down with those Clorox wipes and then dried them off with a toilet, with toilet paper. Obviously, this is an attempt to get rid of any gunshot residue. Right. Then she says she takes more Clorox wipes, wipes down the gun, and neatly places it on the floor by the door. She claims that she did this all as quickly as she could because she was hoping there was enough time to, you know, for first responders to get there and actually save Greg's life. Okay. So the next thing she does, you know, is call 911. Mm-hmm. And after that, she explains that while she's waiting for emergency services to get there, she decides to take a screwdriver and make scratches on the door to make it look like someone tried to break in. And then after that, she claims she grabbed a wrench from her laundry room, hit herself across her right cheek so hard that it would bruise and appear as if an intruder struck her. So. This sounds like Scream 4. Girl. And while all this is going down, Michelle claims that her daughter is just, you know, sleepily, sleepily, sleeping peacefully on the couch. And after this new confession... Michelle's read her Miranda rights and arrested for filing a false police report. Something still seemed off about the way she was acting. However, the story, however, this story realigned with what they had learned from the crime scene. So until they learned more from Greg's autopsy, they kind of had to just go with the suicide story for now. Yeah. Okay. So when it got out to his friends and family that Greg had committed suicide, they did not buy it. Uh, especially his mother and his ex-wife, Kathy. They said that they just didn't think that, you know, he would do this. They brought up the fact that the year prior in 2010, one of Greg's best friends committed suicide and he was crushed and devastated and the whole thing, or about the whole thing, and it really put him in a dark place for a little while. And one thing that he would always say, uh, which is kind of messed up, uh, but he would say that suicide is a chicken's way out. Oh, uh, yeah. or a chicken's way to go. So they just felt like he just, you know, he wouldn't do that. Plus there was nothing in his personal life that pointed to him struggling with depression or any other mental health disorder. There was nothing going wrong as far as people knew, which people can hide things very well. Right. So just because you don't see something doesn't mean 
there's not something going on in someone's head. So mm-hmm. I just want to say that. Yes, yes. So outside of not really believing that Greg did this, people were extremely confused by Michelle's behavior following his death. Mm-hmm. The day after he died, Michelle went over to her sister's house. She didn't even bring Greg up. The day after, she barely spoke about him, and this was literally the day after. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So, her sister said that she was crying uh, every once in a while, on and off briefly, but she never had an act, you know, any actual tears coming out. Mm-hmm. And then after spending the day with her sister, she decides to stay the night there, and she woke up eager the next morning to go to IHOP. Gotta get them pancakes. <laughs> this was yeah. just, yeah. Like, she sounded like my niece, fake tears, because she mad. Anyway, this was just the beginning of her strange behavior. Actually, one of the first things that she did was contact her lawyer and write an $18,000 check from Greg's business account to pay her attorney fees. Mm. So she immediately started selling off their assets, including the frozen yogurt shop. She sold it on Craigslist for $50,000. Good Lord. And then Michelle sells Greg's IT business, which was really weird, and it was very successful. He had a lot of clients. He was doing well. And you know how much she she sold it for? How much? 8000 bucks. St- $8,000. That's but the but but her frozen yogurt shop worth fifty grand. Which yeah. is successful mm-hmm. IT business. Not saying that there's nothing wrong with Froyo, like. But I mean, but you gonna sell that for fifty, and then you're only gonna sell his for eight? Like I would think she would sell it for like. I mean, half a I million figured dollars. she would too. Be like, you know, oh, I'm gonna get all this money, da da da. But yeah, it doesn't seem like money was really the root, you know, of it all. But, <sighs> Yeah. Well, then she hopped into Greg's BMW with her daughter and took a week-long vacation. Okay. Where she was spotted at several sports bars and shopping for Halloween costumes. So, clearly, Michelle was not behaving like, you know, you would think a grieving wife would. And, of course, I know grief does look different, you know, on everyone. But everyone felt like there was just more to the story after seeing the way Michelle was behaving. Right. So, during this very strange week of vacation, Michelle gets in contact with one of her sons, Andrew, and completely surprised him when she said that her original story about Greg dying of an intruder was the truth. So, this part gets crazy. Okay. So, she tells him that the only reason she told the police that he actually took his own life was because that's what they wanted to believe. Mm-hmm. And Andrew believed her. He really didn't want a reason not to. I mean, Greg wasn't his father and Michelle was his mother, even though they had sort of a rocky relationship. Right. He believed and trusted her. But then, of course, things start taking a wild turn. And when I say a wild turn, it's a wild turn. <laughs> okay. Because Michelle tells her son that she wants him to round up a few friends and help his mommy frame her husband's ex-wife 
For his... For his wife's murder. Or for his murder. Yeah. But she tells Andrew that she actually does think that Kathy done it. Thinks she's responsible Mm -hmm. for Greg's death. But she doesn't have anyone or any way to prove it. Right. Of course, because she didn't do it. So... Gosh, Lord. So she needs to create some proof with his help. Right. So she tells him... Said that he needed to buy an XL sweatshirt and then he needs to wear it while firing a gun so that gunshot residue ends up on it. And then she wants him to stuff it under Kathy's car seat. So then that means that Andrew and his friends would need to break into her car and then plant the evidence under the drive seat. Uh, the driver's seat. Oh, I said drive yeah. seat. And then after they plant the evidence, Michelle wants them to call the police on a payphone with an anonymous tip and... About the sweatshirt being in Kathy's car. And the police find it. And then she'll end up, you know, being convicted for his murder. hmm She clearly thinks this is a brilliant idea. But luckily, Andrew disagrees. Good. So he knows that this is stupid and illegal. And he does not want to partake. And when he doesn't go along with the plan, she decides to take matters into her own hands. And for whatever reason, Andrew doesn't tell the police about his mother's plan. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't end up going through with it anyway. They wouldn't have only got arrested for breaking into her car. They would have also got arrested for... Planting evidence. Yeah, and, planting evidence yeah. and all that. I thought, <laughs> Good thing he's smart. Yeah, um, I mean, jeez. And why would you put your son in that position anyway? Right. Just showing... She just... Because you made a mother. Anyway. <laughs> what she does start doing is taking the necessary steps to collect on Greg's life insurance policies. Now... In order to collect on someone's life insurance, you obviously have to explain, you know, the cause of death because certain deaths can disqualify someone from their policy. Right. So when Michelle reported Greg's death, she put the cause of death down as homicide, even though police had a written statement from her that his cause of death was suicide. Right. She wasn't going to get it. Right. Mm -hmm. So the clerk that reviewed her submission doesn't know that, of course, but reading that Greg was killed sparked an interest to the clerk so they decided to google greg and michelle and try to learn more something about the whole thing seemed a little fishy to him the clerk Mm -hmm. so he ends up calling police and lets them know that michelle has inquired about getting her husband's life insurance money oh gotcha in total greg had three policies with three different life insurance companies one policy was gerber life insurance for 150000 One policy with Garden Life Insurance for about 150000 And a policy with Pavoni for about 500000 Jeez. Each of these life insurance policies has a suicide clause written into them. Stating that if the person holding the policy died by suicide within two years of obtaining the policy, no money would be rewarded to the police's recipient. Okay. And all of Greg's policies were less than two years old. Uh. So, obviously, there were many questions looming in the days and weeks following Greg's death. But finally, on November 3rd, 2011, the medical examiner finished the autopsy. And I'm sure y'all won't be surprised to hear that the results were not consistent with suicide. Right. A report from the Tarrant, Tarrant County Medical Examiner's Office stated that Greg's cause of death was a single gunshot wound to the temple and the manner of death was homicide. Mm. 
The medical's firearm examiner determined that Greg could not have shot himself because the gun was shot at a distance of at least six inches away from his head. Mm. As most of us know, you know, who, when someone tries to take their own life with a gun, most of the time the weapon's placed directly against their skin. Mm-hmm. And the autopsy also revealed that Greg had a sedative in his system when he passed, and this was not the Tylenol PM that Michelle claimed he took. Hmm. As for evidence found on Michelle, a trace of a trace examiner found gunshot residue on the cuffs and sleeves of the jacket that she wore that night. Uh huh. They said that the amount of gunshot residue on her clothing was overwhelming. Uh huh. And so they began certain they became certain that Michelle was responsible for her husband's murder. They just needed a little bit more time to build their case against her. Apparently, it didn't take long for them to build that because on January 9th, 2012, she was walking into Lifetime Fitness in Flower Mound, Texas, when she was arrested on three charges, murder, tampering with evidence, and filing a false police report. Hmm. Her bond was originally set at 520000 but it quickly dropped to 82000 Don't know why it dropped. Hmm. Like that, but um, she was bailed out after eight days. While she was awaiting her trial, Michelle wasted no time on moving on with her life, her new life, mm-hmm. and her new man. Remember Jean? Yeah, the one who was a lot younger than her. I think yeah, fifteen years to be exact. Her son's friend. Yeah. Uh, yes, he became her boyfriend, and she moved in with him, and they opened up a kettleball fitness business. <laughs> what is happening? Also, at this time, she changes her name to Shelly Williams, and what's pretty wild is, despite the story of Greg's death being pretty big news in the area, no one seemed to make the connection that Shelly was actually Michelle, who still was awaiting trial for his what? murder. They're like, oh no, that's Shelly. Like, no, Shelly and Michelle are the same person. Like, do they Lord. not, they not post pictures online? Like, I don't, I don't I know. Like, I'm very confused right now. If we was in that class, we'd be like, bro, that's Michelle. Like, that's, a, that's, that's Michelle. Michelle. You know who that is. That's Michelle. No, that's Shelly. Girl, that is Michelle. No. Ain't no Shelly about it. She done changed her name. No, she calling herself Shelly now so that nobody knows. But no, that's Michelle. Mm-hmm. Just in the, just, no, that's Michelle. Because we, cause we private detectives. Okay. Okay. P I <laughs> D and P I chill. Okay. Or P I C. P I D and P I C. So the trial finally starts on October 9th, 2013, which is almost two years after Greg's after Greg was murdered. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Michelle did not feel confident about her charges. So instead of taking her charges to the jury, Michelle accepted a plea deal. Mm hmm. Where she would serve 18 years for deadly conduct and tampering with evidence. But, being the liar that she is, y'all, I'm just telling you. (laughs) Okay. It's it's still, it's It's still still getting crazier. Okay. It's in, it's, it, my mind was blown. I was like, I I don't know, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I don't know if I can finish this case. (laughs) So, Michelle being the liar that she is, figured out a way to delay her sentencing and she decides to tell the judge that she's pregnant with twins. Stop it. You will stop it. So the judge allows her to remain on house arrest until after she gave birth, which one, I would have made, 
me being a judge, I would have ordered a P-test, blood test. Yeah, yeah, a pregnancy test so that you can... No, they just trusted it. They were just like, oh, okay, well. So, uh... and it was estimated that she would give birth sometime between, or sometime in April of 2014, and her sentencing hearing would be scheduled after that. Okay. So, in the meantime, Michelle would wear a GPS monitor to track all of her movement while she was on house arrest. Okay. Mm-hmm. It still gets crazy. <laughs> how? How? So, during this time, she is supposedly at home, you know, pregnant with twins, awaiting her scheduled hearing. However, that is all exposed on January 20th, 2014. When she has to show up at court... And she's not pregnant. So this was, what was it, December? October. So she mm-hmm. went from October 9th to January 20th. Three months and some days. Just chilling at home. You know. You know. But of course, Michelle has an excuse. Okay. She has an excuse why she's, you know, okay. not pregnant. She says that she suffered a miscarriage around Christmas time. And whether you want to believe that, you know... That's up to you. Um, But it seems like a lot of people just, you know, given her track record, just didn't think it was possible that she really did go through that. They think she was making it up. What do Mm -hmm. you think? You think she lied? Given given all of the things that she's done, like knowing what all she's done, the the lies, the manipulations, I don't think she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. I think she made it up because... She's a manipulative liar, and she doesn't want to be accountable for anything that she does. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, her track record isn't making it very great. But, you know, that's the problem with lying all the time, is Mm -hmm. that then when you finally cry wolf so many times, and then when something actually is going on, no one's going to believe you. Yeah, when you finally tell the truth, like, nobody's going to take it. For what it's she like. got me. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah, so. Ugh. But in the end, I mean, you know, she still could have been whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, but now that they knew that she was not pregnant, Michelle was put in jail and they scheduled her sentencing hearing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long after that she would s- stir up even more controversy in her case. How? Girl, Sit down. Look. On February 4th, 2014, Michelle sat down with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram newspaper and talked about the plea deal that she took. And then the following day, on February 5th, Michelle sat down with the crew from 48 Hours and completely changed her story. So during her interview, Michelle said that she wasn't guilty of any of the crimes that she had been accused of. And because of this, her plea deal was thrown out and she would have to await her fate at the hands of a jury. Mm Mm-hmm. Then on March 6th, Michelle attended a bond hearing to determine if she'd be awaiting on the murder trial in jail or at home. And at that hearing, the prosecutor revealed evidence that Michelle was previously on house arrest while she was supposedly pregnant. (laughs) She's tampered with her GPS monitoring device. Stop. Stop. It turns out that Michelle had asked for the device to be a little loose. Of course. Because she was pregnant and, you know, there was a lot of swelling involved. Mm-hmm. They agreed and they loosened the device just loose enough that Michelle was able to slip right out of it. And I'm about to read, like, 
Mm-hmm. I'm about to read like the data on like the monitoring. Oh my god. Okay. So after reviewing the data, prosecutors found out that 26 out of the 30 days that Michelle was being monitored, there were no movements whatsoever. <laughs> just still. For completely the still. Just zero. <laughs> she like, just sat still for for 26 days. Straight. Straight. Just so no bathroom, <laughs> no nothing. Just laying there. Yeah. She just peed and pooped herself. Yep. So for it to be able to pick up absolutely nothing, you'd have to be sitting completely still. Yeah. Complete, like you can't even like adjust on the couch because that'd be picking up. Yeah. No, like stone cold. Stone, stone cold. cold. Okay. Stone cold. So that was just for November. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, she Lord. also had 23 out of 30 days with no activity <laughs> in December. Uh-huh. So they realized that she had removed the device herself, and it was confirmed that during November and December, Michelle was working at a strip club <laughs> in Sports Cafe in Hearst, Texas. Honey, she said, I gotta go out and get mine. I don't know why. She said she got $58,000 at least. Anyway. I don't know, Chelsea. So, I don't know about this woman. On top of this... There was also no data to suggest that she ever visited a doctor after saying she was pregnant. Oh, right, right. And when they asked her about it, she couldn't name a doctor that she was seeing for her pregnancy. So after this hearing, the judge decided that Michelle would be held at the Tarrant or Tarrant County Jail without bond until her trial. So this brings us to September 23rd, 2014. The trial begins. Mm -hmm. One of the many people that testified against Michelle was her son, Andrew. And it was then that he came forward and told the whole court that his mother had tried to coerce him into helping frame Kathy. He also stated that he had, he also stated that he also believed she was going to pin the whole thing on his brother, her other son, Lee. Mm. He explained that back in January 2013, Michelle contacted Andrew and told him that she believed that Lee could have been the one to kill Greg. He couldn't believe that she had even went there. And at that point, he said that he had to cut his mother off because she was just, there was just no coming back from trying to frame your son for a murder that you committed. Yes. And Lee, yeah. And Lee himself also testified against his mother. And he explained that one time when he had visited her while she was on house arrest, she bragged to him how she was able to slip the ankle monitor on and off. Oh, well, good for you, sis. Another main component in this trial was an interrogation video of Michelle in the hours of Greg's murder, and the jury was able to see for themselves how she changed her story. Story. <laughs> story. She changed her story not once or twice, but six different times. Stop it. Her defense team did try to get the interrogation video thrown out of evidence because it was not looking good for them, and they argued that it should have been thrown out because... She hadn't been read her Miranda rights when she was brought in. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, she wasn't being interrogated as a suspect and was allowed to leave at any time, any point. Like, I mentioned that. But she was there for five hours. It's like she was planning, like, ooh, if I just stay here, it'd be like interrogation. Yeah, and oh Lord. So, she just chose not to. She just chose not to leave. Mm-hmm. So, the trial went on for six days. And finally, on September 29th, 2014, 
After seven hours of deliberation, the jury came back and convicted Michelle on one count of murder and one count of tampering with evidence. Michelle ended up being sentenced to 60 years in prison. Mm. And she won't even be eligible for a parole hearing until she could... (laughs) This is... I don't know why I'm laughing. It's just because there ain't no way she can get out of this now. Like, she done got out of so much stuff. But she got a... She got... She ain't eligible for parole until she completes the first 30 years. (laughs) Out of 60. Yeah, it's like, I then said, maybe. I, I was just waiting. Like, is there going to be something else? She going to manipulate her way out of this one? No. I was like, nope. No, she didn't. Um, But it's sad that Greg got involved with Michelle, not knowing, you know, what this woman was capable of. She's right. clearly an evil person, I think, and yeah. very selfish to an ex- extreme extent. Throwing an innocent woman under the bus is bad enough, but also trying to throw your son under that bus too an innocent woman as in his ex-wife Kathy right right we'd like to know what you all thought about this case so that's it for this case yeah if you um I'm interested to see what y'all think yes let us know let us know what you think mm Yeah, so you can email us at ameliamurders at gmail.com. And um, you can always tell, like, your thoughts on cases we do if you want. And you can send us stories or if you've got a case that you want us to cover that you're interested in or that you've never, like, really known about and want more information mm-hmm. we can do those and just email us yes and then go to our instagram at a million murders so that you can see all of the people that we talk about the places we talk about all that jazz and you can go to our facebook group and page yeah. a million murders and Follow us there for updates of anything, just like the other day when I had to update that my episode didn't post on the RSS feed. So, you know, it was my fault. It does a new thing now. And it was just chilling in drafts. And then about two o'clock in the afternoon, I realized my story hadn't posted (laughs) on Apple Music. And I was like, oh, no. So for, you know, things like that that happen, you will find them there at the page and Mm -hmm the facebook group yeah well i guess that leads or leaves thanks for tuning in and we hope you come back for a million million more. more bye